Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is the HR Mentor. I'm coming to you today from the unceded traditional territories of the Tecumseh-Stishkwamek people, and I want to express my deep gratitude that I'm able to live, work, and play on these beautiful lands. And I'm very grateful for the stewards of these lands who have been taking care of them since time immemorial. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know I love a good buzz phrase. Yeah, not so much. But what I do love is demystifying HR and career buzzwords that seem to be made up to, I don't know, sell clicks on the internet and drive people to social media. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You'll recall at the end of season three, I shared my personal views on quiet quitting which we all learned really just means doing your job the way it was intended and described. Well, now we have a new term, quiet hiring. The bad news about this is it's another buzzword that might make you think you need to do something really creative and super secretive to hire employees. Or if you're looking for work, you might be thinking that you need to be part of some underground job search club so that you can find a job. The good news is neither of these is true. Although I kind of think a super secret club for job seekers sounds amazing, but only if I get to join you. In any case, if you've come across this phrase and you're a little bit confused about it, don't stress, I've got you. Today I'm going to unpack what quiet hiring really is, explain how it can be helpful for employers and recruiters, And of course, share some advice for early career professionals that will help you navigate quiet hiring in your workplace and help protect you from some of the downsides of this talent management strategy. It's a lot. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately, a fulfilling HR career. Let's begin by talking about what quiet hiring actually is. There are a couple of definitions for this phrase, but essentially what we're talking about here is filling gaps in your workforce without actually advertising a vacancy. This could be filling an open role without hiring a new full-time employee by recruiting from within the organization. So a form of internal recruitment is one of the definitions. Now, you might recall that that's been on my HR trends list for both 2022 and 2023, talking about changes in the labor market and how more employers are going to be focused on internal recruitment. So it kind of makes sense that this phrase and and trend is popping up now. But this can also be accomplished by completing an assessment of your talent pool and identifying gaps in your workforce. Now, if that kind of sounds familiar to you, that's because it is. This is workforce planning, something your HR professors like me have probably talked to you about in a staffing and planning or HR strategy course, or maybe even in an intro to HR course. How does it work? Well, you look at the work that needs to be done. For example, identify your demand for labor 
and then look at the availability of skills, talent, and competencies in your workforce and fill the gaps by developing internal talent to fill them. Now in workforce planning, you may conclude after looking at your supply and demand analysis that the only way to fill your gaps is by hiring new people into the organization. And the folks that created the phrase quiet hiring, whoever they seem to be, only focus on internal development. But this is not really anything new. Workforce planning is something that's been around for a really long time and is quite developed in many organizations. Now, is workforce planning easy? Hell no. Workforce planning is difficult, especially if you are going to develop a workforce plan for your whole organization. Not something I recommend you start with. Lots of companies have entire workforce planning and workforce analytics departments to do this calculation of supply and demand and gap analysis. Now, having done this work specifically for two years, I can tell you from experience, figuring out supply and demand of labor, even for a single large scale project, can be really difficult. That said, it is truly a worthwhile venture. There's a whole lot of benefits to building a workforce plan in your organization, but that's more of an advanced episode for a whole other day. Going back to quiet hiring, I don't think the buzzword folks mean anything that complex when they're using this phrase. All the focus in the popular articles about quiet hiring really refer to this as more of an internal recruitment effort. You have someone who leaves a position vacant, and instead of doing the typical post and pray, you look within the organization to see how you can get that work done. This might mean that you're appointing people or tapping people on the shoulder and asking them to take on more responsibility. This could be referred to as some of the classic HR terms like job enlargement or job enrichment. You take someone's current role, you add some cooler job functions to it, or get them to start doing more of some of the tasks and duties that they already do, and then maybe less of other things they were doing. For example, you might be a, let's just say a floor supervisor, and you do basic scheduling for a few employees. And now the employer wants you to also take on leave requests and salary budgets for your team. They've technically enriched your job by giving you opportunities to develop and grow, but they're also getting you to do work that was probably previously done by someone else. Perhaps it was the work of someone you were reporting to who left the organization or maybe who was promoted into a higher level role. It's not uncommon after somebody leaves a role for a management team to take a look at it and say, do we really need to replace this role the same way we had before with the same role, a full-time person, etc." And that's something that we should be doing and advising managers to do as HR professionals. Perhaps in this scenario, they looked at the role and decided it really isn't a full-time role. We can kind of take pieces of this role and divide it up into or parse it out, I guess, to other people or roles in the organization. 
Now, what this could mean for you as the person on the receiving end of that opportunity is that you might get some training or coaching to help fulfill these new duties. And essentially, your job is enriched and probably larger and you have some more responsibility. Why would an employer do this instead of just hiring somebody new? Well, there's a lot of really good reasons for this approach to talent management. One of the reasons companies might use quiet hiring or internal recruitment is to save money on recruitment costs. You all know from probably your intro to HR course that hiring new employees can be a very lengthy and costly process. You've got job postings, you're screening resumes, you're interviewing candidates, and then you have the whole onboarding and training process. And it's probably months before that person is up to speed on the organization and the functions of their role. And that costs you time and it costs you money. Now, in contrast with quiet hiring, Companies can avoid these expenses altogether by leveraging their existing workforce and filling gaps with people who are already there, already familiar with the organization. We also know that we are in this talent shortage on a global basis. So it is taking longer and costing more to hire externally in all sectors of the economy. And it's more difficult. You might go through that whole costly process and then not find somebody suitable. So you can see why employers might really want to put more effort into internal recruitment opportunities and only use external as a last resort. This, of course, is compounded with the economic uncertainty that a lot of industries and organizations are facing. Employees are a lot more nervous. They might be reluctant to join a new company or even apply for a new job, and that further shrinks active participation in the labor market. And employers likely don't want to be too labor heavy right now in case they're faced with a need to pivot or reduce costs. It's a perfect opportunity for employers to look inside the organization to solve any skill gaps. There are some good sides of this for the employees as well, that I guess it's sort of a win-win, a mutual benefit for both the employer and employees. And that is that by investing in their employees, they can also retain their top talent. Employees are more likely to stay with a company that invests in their professional development and provides opportunities for growth and advancement, which is what a lot of employees want. So quiet hiring can be a great way to retain valuable employees who might otherwise leave for better opportunities elsewhere. By offering new challenges and development opportunities, organizations can also keep employees engaged and motivated to keep working for them. I don't know about you, but knowing that my employer is investing in me and giving me opportunities is going to make me more loyal and, of course, keep me more engaged in the organization, especially because I'm the kind of person that likes to try new things and likes challenges. Now, quiet hiring can also be a way to build a more flexible and resilient workforce. We know that the business landscape and organizations are having to change rapidly. And those organizations need to be able to adapt quickly to new challenges and opportunities. 
all we ever need is the example of COVID-19 to show how flexibility and an ability to respond can be critical. By developing a culture of continuous learning and development, organizations can equip their employees with the skills and knowledge they need to take on new roles and responsibilities as they're needed. So this can help them respond to changing market conditions, to pivot business strategies, stay ahead of the competition, and also respond to all of those challenges that could be ahead of us that we're not aware of in the external environment. So really important with that. Additionally, quiet hiring can help companies promote diversity and inclusion in the workplace. By looking internally to fill skill gaps, companies can identify and develop talent from underrepresented groups that we already have in our workplace and give greater opportunities to people who have typically been less successful in receiving promotions um, and may not feel as valued and recognized in the workplace. So this can also help us with our diversity and inclusion goals and bring greater satisfaction in the workplace. So there's many compelling reasons why companies might choose to use quiet hiring. By leveraging their existing talent pool and investing in employees' professional development, companies save money, they retain top talent, they build a more flexible workplace, and they promote diversity and inclusion in, in the organization. So those are all really great things, and it's wonderful that there's so many benefits. But let's shift gears here and talk a little bit about some of the things you as an employee should be aware of, some of the pitfalls and cautions you need to know if you're on the receiving end of one of these whispered opportunities or a quiet hiring opportunity. If you're an employee, and your employer proposes that you take on more job responsibilities or move to a new role, it's always important to kind of protect yourself. And I don't use the term protect to make you afraid of taking on opportunities. There's just some things you need to be aware of that are important at any stage of your career. But since I'm mostly speaking to people who are early career professionals, you might not be aware of the need to do this. And you might be in a more vulnerable employment situation with your employer and maybe reluctant to, to do some of these things. So I'm going to walk you through a number of things to be aware of and things you can do to protect yourself. The first is to make sure you really understand your employer's expectations and what your new role will entail. Ask for a clear job description and a timeline for your transition to the new role or taking on the new responsibilities. When you don't have clarity on what is expected of you, it makes it really difficult to make sure that you're delivering. And it can lead to very complicated performance conversations if you're not on the same page. I know the employer should do this automatically. But for all the reasons we just said quiet hiring is helpful to the employer are all the same reasons they might skip this step. They're busy, they're stressed about filling a gap, and they might just be really thrilled that you said yes and kind of skip over the details. Make life easier for them and protect yourself by asking for clarity in writing. 
Second, I want you to make sure that you negotiate for fair compensation and benefits that reflect your new responsibilities. It's not really a promotion or an opportunity if nothing changes for you. If you're being asked to do higher level duties, technically you should be compensated for those. Now in your organization, you might not have a structured pay grid, but even when your position is kind of a mashup of other roles or you're taking on duties that were previously in another role, it's pretty easy for the employer to assess whether or not there should be a lift to your salary to reflect your added duties. Now, your previous role and some of the duties you're taking on may have been in the same pay classification and the duties are not any greater responsibility. They're taking other work off your plate to make room for you to do this other work. That's fine. You may not have a need for a salary increase in that case. Maybe all you need to be looking for is some training and development to ensure that you have everything you need to be successful. But if you're taking on higher level duties or duties that were assigned to a role that was in a higher pay classification, then that's worth a conversation. And it might be that the employer does a percentage lift to your salary rather than doing a whole job analysis process or job evaluation process to determine whether or not your entire job has changed significantly. But again, these are conversations you need to have and things you need to look into. If it's a temporary change in duties or a pilot, you might accept a lower pay rate until you prove yourself or you're fully qualified. But there should be some recognition of your higher level or increased responsibilities. So it's important to have this conversation. And of course, there could be some legal ramifications. If you're being asked to take on a new job, you should technically be getting a new offer letter with some sort of consideration for this new role. Yes, the employer is allowed to change a small percentage of your job without this, but you shouldn't be asked to do a higher level position or take on another role without adequate compensation. Be aware of that. You'll probably need to do some research and educate yourself in order to have that conversation successfully, but it's definitely something that you should be talking about. Again, the employer should be coming to you with this, uh, but they may not. And this is one of those places where I feel people need to protect themselves so that they don't get taken advantage of. The third thing you should be aware of is the need to develop a plan with your employer for your professional development and training. So if this is a development opportunity, you want to make sure you have the resources and support you need to succeed in this new role. There is nothing worse than being given new duties or a new role without the support to do it well. If you and your employer or manager agreed that this was a step up for you and you needed some development or training to make sure that you're successful, then you make sure that it's arranged and you have access to attend and participate. That might mean time off. It might mean travel. It just might mean some space in your, your week or your days in order to accomplish that. Fourth, I want you to document everything related to your new role, including job responsibilities, compensation, benefits, whatever was kind of promised or discussed with you. Keep a copy of this documentation for your records and refer to it if there are any discrepancies or issues. 
Sometimes these arrangements, especially if they happen really quickly and are temporary, might be a little more informal. And depending on the organization, these things might always be really informal. So it's a good practice to keep a note of conversations you have on anything related to your job duties, your comp benefits, etc. A good practice with this that doesn't make it seem like you're recording your employer's every word is to get into a practice of confirming conversations and expectations in an email. Let's say you have a conversation about your role, but the employer doesn't really offer you anything in writing. You can simply send a follow-up email thanking them for the conversation and confirm what you discussed and what your expectations are or what the expectations of you are. You can frame this like a thank you email at the start, but this can be a really useful backup to a verbal conversation. And I think this is a really good practice to get into all throughout your career for any role you take on is to just gently confirm things that you've discussed that could be material to your job, your performance, your compensation, so that you have something in writing. A fifth way to protect yourself is to communicate with your employer regularly. Make sure that you're clear on what's expected of you and that you have a clear understanding of your job responsibilities as things evolve and progress. Yes, it is great to have flexibility and to create your own opportunity. That's really fun. But ultimately, you want to deliver on what is expected of you. And if you're unsure about something, you should never be afraid to ask questions or seek clarification. Again, this goes for any work situation. I always say to people when we're talking about employee performance that I don't really believe people get up in the morning, put their pants on, head out the door and say, I really want to do a crappy job today. Most people don't do that. But what does happen sometimes is people lack clarity. You have a responsibility as an employee and, and a responsibility to yourself and your career to make sure you have clarity because it's only with a good understanding of what your expectations are or what the expectations of you are that you're going to be able to deliver on them. If you don't know what someone wants you to do, it's pretty hard to meet their expectations. So don't ever be afraid to ask for clarification. Finally, it's also really important to set boundaries and manage your workload effectively. If you are feeling overwhelmed or overworked, you need to communicate this to your employer and ask for help or support. Don't be afraid to say no if you're being asked to take on too much. The worst thing you can do for your career is say yes to everything and then find yourself in a situation where you either can't possibly deliver on it or you're putting yourself or the organization at risk because you've bitten off more than you can chew. Especially if you are, what's the phrase, punching above your weight in terms of your skills and capabilities. Don't feel like you have to say yes to everything. And I know that's hard when you're early in your career and you're keen and you want to learn things. But if the employer is offering you something and it's unfamiliar to you and you feel like you would need development time or training in order to be successful and they're not willing to do that, 
the best thing you can do for everybody is say, I don't think this is the right time for me to take this on. Because you will find yourself in a situation that will be very difficult to back your way out of. They expect you to do it because you said yes, you could. And then you might not be able to deliver or you could create situations of risk. So really important to be honest about that. As an employee, it's important to be aware that your employer may use quiet hiring to take advantage of you. Maybe not intentionally. They have an organization to run. They have things they need to get done. And if you're standing there saying yes, that's great news for them. Even though these can be great opportunities to gain new skills and take on new responsibilities, it is really important to ensure that you stick up for yourself and protect your own interests and also that you don't get in over your head. So being aware of expectations and the employer's contractual requirements is a really good idea. I can't give you any legal advice, but if you're really concerned and you've been asked to take on something new and you're not sure how to navigate that, you can always contact the Employment Standards Branch or you can contact a lawyer for some advice. The really key point is that by setting boundaries, managing your workload effectively, and most importantly, communicating with your employer, you can protect yourself from being taken advantage of in a situation like this. And also protect yourself and the organization by not having you do things you're not ready to do yet. All right, let's wrap this up. Today we learned that quiet hiring is another super cool buzzword <laughs> that means something much less cool, but very important for employers, and that is internal recruitment and development. We learned that by investing in existing employees' development, companies can save time and resources, they can help maintain the company culture and employee morale, retain talent, and reduce some of those skill gaps within the organization. And that's all really great stuff. But if you're an employee, if you're an employee, it's also really important to protect yourself when you transition to a new role or take on new duties. Make sure you negotiate for fair compensation and benefits. Develop a plan for your professional development and training. Document everything related to your new role. And really be clear on your boundaries. Again, I don't want to scare you with all of this protect yourself language, but I have seen people get in over their head before. And I know it's really difficult to, to get out of those situations in a way that still leaves the employer seeing your potential and your value and also not having something super negative happen. Stick up for yourself, set boundaries, and communicate as much as you possibly can with your employer if you are in a situation where someone is presenting you with an internal opportunity. One of the ways to help you articulate to an employer that you're ready to take on something more and what that something more might be is to really be clear on what your strengths are. Now, if you didn't listen to episode 69 yet, be sure to check that out where I talk all things strengths. In that episode, I give you an opportunity to win an excellent book and an opportunity to take the Gallup Strengths Assessment for free. 
So be sure to check out the show notes wherever you're listening. There will be a link there to episode 69 and also um, the instructions to enter the contest. It's super simple. All you have to do is subscribe to the HR Mentor Podcast and rate it on popular platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or even an aggregator like Google Podcasts. And once you've done that, just take a screenshot of your subscription and rating and share it on social media, Instagram or LinkedIn, and tag me. You can submit your entry by sending an email to melanieatthehrmentor.ca with your name, social media handle, and one strategy I shared for identifying your strengths from this episode. It's just proof that you listened. Now the contest is only open till May 10th and after that I'm going to select a winner through a random draw submission. So again check out the show notes where you're listening. You can find a summary of all the details and of course as always you can find links to related episodes in the show notes as well as how you can sign up for my newsletter and join the HR Mentor Fan Club. The HR Mentor Fan Club is a virtual space where you can get access to special bonus episodes of the podcast, resources and free downloads, as well as a chance to access special discounts on future programs. One of the things that I do have in the fan club membership site is also an audio lesson on how to have courageous conversations. So if you dread having conversations like the ones I talked about with your employer, and you find them really difficult, you may want to get a fan club membership. Um, It's a monthly membership, so you're not obligated to keep it forever, but it will help you figure out how you can craft your own courageous conversations uh, so that you can more easily engage with your employer, and they're good skills to build throughout your career. There's one thing you'll have to have a lot of as an HR professional. It is courageous conversations. So be sure to check that out. As always, I want to thank you so much for listening. Your time is greatly appreciated. Take care. Bye for now.